0: Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of The Cast. Hope you had an amazing week last week and an amazing Easter. Also wanted to say thanks to everyone who's been reaching out, letting us know that you're listening, asking questions, and giving feedback. We do love hearing from you. As always, please bear in mind that the views expressed on The Cast are those of the individuals expressing them and may not necessarily reflect the views of our church. With that said, we hope you enjoy this conversation. Welcome back to the post Easter episode of the cast. Actually, I guess that was last week, but here we are. Mike and I are eating Easter candy, so we are. In it's my good. mind, this is a post
1: Easter episode. Mike, how are you doing tonight? Well, not awesome. Um <laughs> no. not feeling great. Been hmm. sick the last couple days. Seems to be going around. Cough and cold. At least in our church. So probably someone gave it to me at church. Well, if it was you. I'm praying for you. Bless your enemies. Mm-hmm. I'm just kidding. you do not know, my enemy. <laughs> Harsh, but you know today's on the mend. Are you? uh Is your voice going to be able to make it through <sighs> this full podcast recording session? Do you think we will do our best? Do our best. All right. Well, I do want your voice to be like primed for Sunday, also. But oh, you know you got to keep that up. Mm-hmm. But I am, you know, emotionally great. We had a good weekend. So, so Sunday was good. The Raptors won. Yeah. So I'm just saying, my team. Hey, and I'm I'm doing well as, as well because the Leafs lost, and but yeah. as a
0: Habs fan, that just brought so much delight uh, to me. I think for me, my personal version of hell on this earth is being taunted by Leafs fans after they win the cup. I just can't imagine a more cruel uh, form of punishment for me personally, I'm sure, you know, that just speaks to my Western privilege, but. <laughs> okay, there you go. But anyway, speaking of hell, <laughs> um, it's not a laughing matter. It's uh, it's very serious and bears eternal consequences. But uh, we do need to talk about the afterlife today because, I mean, we talked about on Sunday, uh, the sermon was called Heaven Here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we really do believe that that is the thing... Um, that matters most like right now in the here and now. Um, we've been given life by God and we've been given an amazing gift
1: and an amazing call to bring heaven here. Yeah, I agree, Sam. Um, obviously i preached on it, but um, yeah, it's it's an amazing thing. We have the opportunity to truly, again, within the, the now and not yet of our, of our hope, right? Really be agents of redemption, agents of recreation in our world. So it's exciting. Um, we don't wait some future reality in a sense of like denying this one, which is often the case, but we hope for the full revelation of new heaven and new earth, new Jerusalem coming down here as seeing God redeem this place. So definitely.
0: Yeah. And that is ultimately um, the main message that we hope everyone took away from Sunday. That being said, I do recognize that anytime you bring up the afterlife, um, questions come about because scripture does talk a lot about the afterlife.
1: Well, Jesus talks about it, but it actually talks more about money than heaven and hell.
0: That's true. Actually. That's true. He does. And yet for us Christians, it seems like the heaviest part of our existence is where we go when we die. That's what it is kind of is the story we're told from the time we're children. Like you Mm -hmm. need, you know, believe in God because you don't want to burn in hell and you want to (laughs) enjoy this great place called heaven when you die. So I'm going to read some verses here that Christians um, find confusing sometimes, can sometimes cause us some problems. And I just like uh, your thoughts on these, Mike, because they're very heavy, they're very complex, and sometimes they might be at odds with... um, some other parts of scripture. So this one here is Galatians 5, 19 to 21. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So, Mike, does that mean if after I've become a Christian and said my sinner's prayer and I go on lashing out at my parents, that I can't go to
1: heaven? Yes. Next question. <laughs> Just um, well, no, so Galatians 5, right? Uh, that's where we get the fruit of the Spirit, right? So, I believe it's right after that. where Paul says, but these are the fruits of the spirit, right? And so there's a comparison of flesh and spirit there, right? Those who are of the spirit, those who are of the flesh. And it's not in a like platonic dualism of like the body and and soul and how the body is evil. It's it's more comparative of like um, realities, we'll say, like the reality of the flesh, reality of the spirit, one who is in life and in death, essentially. So life in the spirit produces love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, all those things. And life in the flesh produces what he read the whole list, which you know, I don't tend to focus on, so I can't quote it. Um, but uh, no, so here's the thing, is the the thing that we don't like talking about in modern Christianity is grace of God is the power to have the life of God in me um, in a way that I could never do on my own, essentially, mm-hmm. right? It's God's effective work to bring about life into me that I could never do, never earn, never deserve on my own. That's what the cross started, right? Ultimately won. Um, but it's to get out of me. Um, a classic um, way of saying it is is to mortify the flesh, to, to the mortification of sin, to put to death all that is dead ultimately in producing death in me. And so there are things we consider sinful, ultimately, um, based on many different ethical reasons. Some, um, you know, more easily understood than others, but that those continual patterns of sin are evidences ultimately of a lack of regeneration, one would argue. Um, it's the same thing like in John, um, one of his letters where he writes, I think it's in 1 John, um, where he says basically to love the world is to hate God. Um, I was not talking about the world in the sense of like, for God's love of the world, some of the, the, the system against the way that God's operating. And then later on he says like, if you continue in sin, essentially you're not part of God's family. It's like, how do you how do you reconcile that well because we keep sinning and i think at the end of the day it's more about and this actually comes from some of my readings with dallas willard about the idea of both the desired intention to actually walk like jesus like i don't want to sin any longer yeah. right yeah and so for these things it's like it's the continual pattern of habitual angst against the kingdom of god because they won't inherit the kingdom of god like that's just the evidence of your inheritance is going to be the fruit of the spirit and so just to continue in a way that's anti-kingdom is to live against the way of God. So I think, like, you know, same thing in, like, 1 Corinthians 6, where Paul says, you know, all these types of sin will not inherit the kingdom. Um, and he says, and so and so were you, but now you have been washed and regenerated in Jesus, right? That there's this, at the end of the day, for us as Christians, there's only two types of people, Right. Yep. Those who have been washed and those who need to be washed, that's it, right? Um, that's it. And so uh, for us, it's it's it's. this is just, a, I think we make more of it than it really is. It's it's just the reality of there are those who are in the Spirit, meaning those who have given their life to Christ, follow Him. And the evidences of that is our obedience, is our growth, is our Spirit-led life. And then those yeah. who aren't, who we need to go tell about mm-hmm. the good news of Jesus. And so, right. um, so it's, it's more just a truth statement. Here's the evidences of not living with Jesus. This is going to be part of your life. And then here are the evidences that there are. And yes, will Christians fail? Romans 7, you know, uh, Paul talks about how he still does what he doesn't want to do and all these different things. And Peter, we talk about Peter a lot. He was not perfect as a leader of the church. He made some racist things happen on his life. You know, Galatians talks actually about that. Paul calls him out, you know, so it's not like we we have it all figured out. In fact, Peter's a really good example of like, the life of a disciple, not fully getting it right, or yeah. it's like he walked with God, then he still denied him. He said, I'm never gonna deny you, I'm gonna die first. Then, Jesus, like, just wait till the rooster crows. Then, here's Peter, and then it's like, come back. And then he was scared, and then you have like him preaching to 3,000 people, which is amazing. Then you have him being racist against Gentiles, it's like up and down, right? The whole way,
0: yeah. So, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think you could definitely apply this to just the heaven here mindset as well, that if you're uh, engaging in these kinds of activities, like you are bringing chaos into your own life. Like you are not, you're not bringing a better reality.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, Definitely.
0: Cool. Um, how about this one? So Hebrews six, four to six. Oh, Sam For in the case of those who have once been enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and have been made partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come, and then have fallen away, it is impossible to renew them again to repentance since they again crucify to themselves the Son of God
1: and put him to open shame. Mm-hmm. What do we make of that? Apostasy, it's called. The mm-hmm. great falling away. Uh, and obviously, the Re- book of Revelation has the great falling away, but I mean, the idea of... Those who were in the faith and then left the faith. Backslidden Christians. Backslidden. So there's there's many different theories because if you're a Calvinist and you don't believe that you can backslide, um, you're either saved and growing or you are never were saved. And so this really is just referring to someone who thinks they're saved. Right. So the Calvinist reading of it, So an Arminian reading of it is just, yeah, people can fall away. And then when they do, they're probably not going to want to come back because they're so hard-hearted. And that's how I sort of grew up knowing it, where it's like this is the proof text of... People can lose their salvation. Yeah. Um, the issues come in, right? Because the principle of scriptural interpretation is always that clear passages need to interpret unclear ones, right? That it's you can't take one verse and make a theology off of it. Yeah. And so we do have passages where, you know, Jesus in John, right, says like, I've chosen you and you know, I'm not going to let you fall out of my hands. I have you, you know, um, the, the doctrines of the perseverance of the saints that develop a lot out of like, the Book of Romans and the, and the Book of John specifically, um, I think we have to put together. So like you have kind of like the Calvinist proof text, you have the Arminian proof text and how they all work together. So I think in this case, like for Hebrews, like that is a very, not tricky, but it is complex. And in, to be honest, when I preached through the Book of Hebrews, I kind of skipped over that section um, because... I, so you're picking and choosing. I did, because I, I didn't exactly know how to deal with it properly, to be honest. I was a lot younger in my ministry at the time. Um, but overall, book of Hebrews I love. But the book of Hebrews is written to a bunch of ultimately Jewish Christians saying that like Jesus is better than everything that the Jewish um, covenant system held. And so within that, too, you have this idea like you could be, he could be talking to, essentially to a bunch of Jewish people who converted and then deconverted back to Judaism. And elsewhere, Paul talks about how like, if you're going to follow the law, you're still under fully the law and how it's like, you're kind of, you got to live up to all 613 laws and everything and do all that. So I've heard many different ways of interpreting this. I think that at the end of the day, um, you're going to either have to interpret it through whatever theological lens that you land on. Mm. So if you are more of an Arminian kind of free will, Um, kind of person then yeah like you could argue that the only way to lose your salvation is to jump out of Jesus' hand he ain't gonna let you walk and the devil can't make you but you can choose to jump ship Mm. or as a Calvinist you'd read this and say well what he's describing is someone who like looks like they have participated who acts like they know the spirit who can say the right things but never had them either way the idea of apostasy is part of the faith people who we believe are genuinely in And jump out, and it's actually it's interesting. I was talking to someone today over coffee about this that someone in their life had done this, and how sad it is to them. And I I totally get it. Like it is a because for us it's everything. It's so meaningful. Yeah. Um. So do I? If you're asking me, do I believe if you can lose your salvation? Here's the thing. I believe that at the end of the day, honestly, I lean much more towards the perseverance of the saints, which is totally against my. Our upbringing, yeah, mainly because I believe in the grace of God so much more than anything else. Basically, right. like I just think you can't. At the end of the day, you can't out sin His grace. Mm-hmm. His grace is good. It's big. It's wide. And if you were in, if you've experienced it, then even for your seasons of, you know, prodigal son kind of life, yeah, you're still a son, and He's still gonna bring you back. Mm. So I do think that I, I just lean that way because I think yeah. it is an evidence of his grace. I Is there people who have fallen away and rejected the faith? I'm sure there are. Yeah. And so I'm not going to try to question whether they were saved or not. Like, I'm not going to get into like, here's the mechanical definition of what. No, I'm not going to do that. Um, Do I think people need to come back, repent, maybe recommit their life? I do believe in recommitment. Yeah. Um, Mainly, not not necessarily salvific, but just personal recommitment. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> No, my son got baptized once. I don't think he need to be baptized again. Yeah. One time was good. Covenant was good. So yeah, that's why I sort of lean in. I'm, I lean much more heavily on that kind of like the perseverance side, just because I just love the grace of God so much, to be honest. And not that people who don't, don't. I just like, the more I read, think about the grace of God, it's just like, yeah, it's it's so much bigger than my ability to just mess things up.
0: Wow. That's awesome, Mike. You just made a piece of Calvinist theology sound actually beautiful so appreciate that
1: oh man Sam
0: <laughs> alright check this one out Revelation 21 7-8 to 8. he who overcomes will inherit these things and I will be his God and he will be my son but for the cowardly and unbelieving and abominable and murderers and immoral persons and sorcerers they really hate sorcerers and idolaters and all lies. false power
1: demonic power being used that's why anti-kingdom
0: yeah. I was gonna say it just comes up a lot uh, so they hate Harry Potter I guess ooh um, but not
1: Gandalf. But not Gandalf, yeah, because he was written by a Christian.
0: Yep. Um, Their part will be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. All right, the lake that burns with fire and brimstone. Well, I mean, obviously this is metaphorical because a lake can't burn. It's water. But, yeah, so, like, the, this idea of the second death in this, you know, this very rich imagery of uh, burning, I think that – I feel like this particular image is probably the most enduring like depiction of hell, the lake of fire and brimstone. Is that what we should expect a hell to be like?
1: Uh, Well, that opens up a, a large conversation.
0: Good. This is going to be a large conversation.
1: On the nature and the doctrine of hell. Hmm. So here's the thing. Um, no one likes talking about hell. No, I certainly don't. Well, some people probably do. But we would think of them as I think there's something
0: a little bit twisted off. if you like really like the idea of hell because some people are really obsessed with well, it. Well,
1: okay. Yeah. If you like the idea of justice, that's, versus the idea of hell because people have argued and I believe yeah, this that sure. that like our western comfort, mm-hmm. happiness, yeah, you know, addicted mind can't fathom a hell and that's why a lot of people are repulsed by it. Um and so, like, you know, a lot of times the examples that get used are very extreme. So one pastor was talking about how, you know, if you go to, you know, an African village just got raped and pillaged, I'm pretty sure they're not concerned about universalism at that point, mm-hmm. right? They they yeah. would not even want to worship a God who would not bring justice, yep. right? Um, and so we, in our privileged little, like, safe zone of life are like, no, of course everybody get like, um, who was it? I think this could be wrong. I do I want to say a name. Anyways. Um, Mark Clark quote, quoted them in one of his sermons on hell. Um, so you can go check my reference through Mark Clark. Um, and he said, basically, right, the the comfort of Western middle-classness was basically the precursor to the um, doctrine that, like, hell is bad. He said it way more classy than that. I just totally ruined that. Um, but the central idea is something that, like, in, a, in, a, in our comfortable little space, we don't really one thing about people being judged because we're just all about freedom and whatever. And, and so the thing is like, if we want to talk about justice, that's ultimately where the conversation needs to go. when we talk about hell and heaven, both, both end. Now, when it comes to the theology around it, like that is an interesting question, something that like, um, I was reading a quote to Sam earlier. And I think like I'll read it here. Cause it's, I think it just puts this together uh, from C.S. Lewis, who said, there is no doctrine which I would more willingly remove from Christianity than this, meaning hell, if it lay in my power. But it has the full support of Scripture, especially of our, of our Lord's own words. It always been held in Christendom and it has the support of reason. Not of emotion, but of no. reason, right? That's yeah. his point. And so, when it comes to like these pictures of hell, there really are, you know, Um, to be honest conflicting pictures so number one the one that you read the lake of fire um it's kind of like the final second death it says right like there's this idea of like this hellish place even now that's sort of like the the like almost like the like sheol the grave of the old testament this holding place right for the unrighteous dead and they get everyone gets resurrected and then the judge, judgment, great white throne judgment happens and the sheep and the goats are split. And, you know, we who are in Christ get to go to eternal um, blessedness, which ultimately is new heaven and new earth here. That's what John sees coming down, redemption of the world. Right. And then the throne of judgment where justice happens and people are you know, punished. The problem is when you go through different images, Jesus talks about, which he did talk about, by the way, people try to make, make it as if Jesus never talked about hell it's just it's like if you haven't read the Bible you might believe that but he did right he wasn't just some hippie dippy, you know everybody just gets along although you know yes love was central message and we have to remember that and that's what you know, he would have wanted ultimately like this is where we're gonna we're gonna have to move the conversation but Jesus was very clear on judgment that that God is a holy just and loving God and those two things are not competing they're actually together mm-hmm. um, but he talked about, he talked about, like, gnashing of teeth. He talked about fire, um, which he talked about Gehenna, which is actually a place in the, the confines of Jerusalem, which is um, known to be a place where they actually had to, like, burn bodies and um, dispose of some of these things. And, and so, like, it wasn't an—it was a very visual picture. Yeah, a literal place. It was. Yeah. Um, and then, like, in Jude, it talks about, I believe, like, of the darkness and the cloud and then it talks about fire. And so you have this idea of, like, destruction, fire— pain um but then darkness and it's like darkness and fire don't really go together if they're they're physical things if they're real things yeah Uh, you can't really have darkness and fire it doesn't really work um out but the literal interpretation or the traditional interpretation of how you might want to call it has been this like this this place this dimension whatever you want to call it of an ongoing eternal conscious Torments, for the it's usually those three like those three things eternal conscious torment uh for punishment of sin against eternally holy god because by the way like people don't think about this often rightly is that it's not about time like pe- people argue that like eternal punishment is not just because it's not like a time reference but it's like that's not actually how it works because um it's not about how how like infinite and finite sins were it's about who they are against it's like if you go to jail right so if it it might take you 0.3 seconds to kill somebody if you shoot them right but you're gonna go to jail for 30 years not for 0.3 seconds right like because it's about the value that was destroyed it's about the justice that was taken same thing with god if god is eternally valuable and we sin against him then even a finite sin has eternal consequence that's how the the theology gets worked out um typically and so, yeah, I've never liked that
0: mathematical approach to explaining it. But anyway, go on.
1: Well, and what's well, because people will say that's unjust because someone who sinned in a finite capacity gets eternal um, consequence. Well, it's, but that's also bad math because it's not about the, f- f- the finitude of a sin, it's about yeah the injustice done against the value of the thing, right? It's the same thing like if you hit your brother, right, you're yeah. going to get in trouble. But if you hit your mom, Mm. you're gonna get in trouble you're really right get in trouble, yeah. and the same and just applying that out to the value of life mm. right so like i, I like t- to me logically it works out fine
0: yeah i, I think it, my complaint isn't with the logic it's just like huh, i don't like how cold and calculating you're being with <laughs> oh like, 100 so metaphysical like
1: well yeah, but it's i wouldn't say it's not it's not cold and calculated it's more about um in this again in this theological space it's it's about understanding the the rationality behind something like this that that seems to be so emotionally repulsive. Yeah. Right? Because it's about trying to say like, okay, how do I separate myself? Because again, no one likes the thought of it, especially when you have family and friends in your life who probably will experience it. Yeah, and that's
0: where I do would say that like, if you're like, if you like the idea of hell a lot, like it's okay if it's just, it's okay if you think hell is just. I just think wanting people to go there. (laughs) <laughs> says, is a poor reflection on your character.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, this is why I really appreciate a guy like Mark Clark. He does a sermon. I mentioned him earlier. Because even in that, I don't know if it's in a sermon or just in this book he wrote about you know, the objections to Christianity. He talks about how, like, he wishes it wasn't true. Like, he's pretty honest about that. Yeah. Right? Like, he's like, I don't like this like, doctrine. that's where I'm at. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think anyone should like it. Like, I think we, okay. And I, and I mean that in a sense of, like, we shouldn't just not wrestle with it. Mm-hmm. right because again when when you go to a war-torn country and there's all this injustice around you like you hope in a god of justice who's going to
0: yeah emotionally i probably would in that situation but
1: but i would say even theologically because i believe it like again i can't remember who this was i think it was is uh wolf who talked about how I don't want to get this wrong, but I'm pretty sure it was him who talked about how essentially knowing that God is judge is the only way to combat more bloodshed. Yeah, because I, I I'm not I'm not the the vengeance bringer any longer. Mm. So I have to believe in a God of justice who bring yeah. appropriate justice to these things. So sure. I don't have to carry out the work anymore. Yeah, which is why typically right people have argued that it's actually like a Christian understanding of justice that brings about peace because mm-hmm. I am now I. like i have something i have a greater power to believe in that's going to bring about a justice that i emotionally believe i need and have but i don't have to be the one who sheds blood for blood anymore right right? it actually brings about a sense of which is why i would argue that you know atheistic regimes tend to be more bloody yeah because of that because they have to be the, the the judge the executioner, the right. jury on it all, right? No one's
0: going to carry it out if they don't. Right? And yeah.
1: so that's where like, we would actually argue that having a God of justice is actually the precursor to human peace, um, that there is this moral standard by which God will judge us and hold us. And it also allows my forgiveness to be much deeper because yeah. at the end of the day, for me as Christian, I, I have two options. I have only two options, right? I have one where um, I, I forgive them, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Okay, I have one option in that sense, but I have two options after that, right? I forgive them because I'm called to, but then either they find ultimate forgiveness in Jesus like I did, and I pray for that, or they find ultimate justice before God at the end of time. Yeah. But in both cases, it's them before God, not before me. Right. So I'm relinquished of that. So actually having a God of justice um, in that way allows me to be way more forgiving, peace centered, and and redemptive. So if you remove that side of God, Mm -hmm. you actually end up with a more chaotic universe. Yeah. And so... The idea of, of justice and accountability, and in this case, eternally in the sense of hell, does bring a, around the sense of peace and, and love, um, which sounds, I know it sounds almost like backward, but it actually isn't. Like, the fact that God wants to eradicate the universe of evil, which, by the way, if you go in Matthew, I think it's 25, Jesus does say that it was ultimately created for the devil and his angels. It was actually meant to be for the enemies of God, not for humanity. Mm-hmm. But as in our fall and rebellion, we entered into that camp right and so like ultimately the purpose of it was actually to bring justice to those who oppose god spiritually even yeah um and so with that so yeah so so the the picture of it is that but there have been different options right like i would argue that like the dante's inferno pictures of like different layers of hell that's just
0: pure fantasy i, I, would, I love that poem by the way but yeah
1: like i i do think there could be potential like to be honest different levels of consequence for sin I don't, like, if this is me just conjecturing, not because I, but, like, I don't know,
0: because it's conceivable to you. It's
1: conceivable, but, like, it doesn't, but it also doesn't seem to matter. Like, it's, like, why would there need to be? Yeah. So, I don't know. But, anyways, so there's that one. Then there's, like, the total rejection of hell, right? Universalism, everyone just in the end. yeah. You're gonna sing. You're, you're gonna be singing "Kumbaya" with Hitler. Yeah, you know, at yeah. the end of time. Yeah, you know, that's you know. What pe- some people honestly believe, and yep. and it comes from a group very prominent Christian thinkers. Yep. Uh, well, thinkers. Um, <laughs> whether they're Christian or not is a whole other thing. They uh, yeah, call but, themselves Christian, but even but the thing is that was rejected back in the 500s, actually through sure. councils, because yeah. in about three, I think was it 325. I could be off on that. Um, Origin was the first I think church father to sort of pose this idea of universalism as a legitimate way of understanding the, the end of this age and um, it was rejected uh, by the church councils as not biblical not what Jesus taught. Um, and and the goal ultimately is that God that people come to is that God wants to bring a full redemption right to everything um, which again we would hope for right mm-hmm. we, we would want but that has been universally rejected by the church for the last as even c.s lewis in our quote said like it's always been held that there is this thing called hell and we have to deal with that and then there's like these two middle positions that um you know find their attention different places Mm -hmm. one being um the metaphorical view of hell which is essentially to be honest the one that i fall into is that no christian will say that what the bible describes as heaven is actually what heaven's going to be like right, right? we'll right. say like these are pictures and these we trying to describe what heaven it's gonna be so much better than that will it actually be streets of gold maybe but how do we like how do we describe that for us right now like we and we'll say that these are just images that god gave and uh um, we it's gonna be so much better and so much greater what does it even mean to have a new jerusalem coming down from heaven and earth like what, what what's it gonna look like i don't know what it's gonna look like i don't know what my body's going to be like we we, we just it's all conjecture redeemed redeemed right and the same will be then true of hell like why do we assume these visual images are like word for word what they are just because it's the negative side. Right. And so it was Tim Keller who actually brought me to this um, through some of his teaching about the idea of like, it's, it's not actual fire, but then he'd say it's way worse than that. <laughs> <laughs> right. Cause yeah. it's, it's more this, this, this spiritual, th- like um, thinness of existence. It's the absence of God. Because in the Bible, one one of the images of hell is is distance ultimately from God, like the the separation from Him, mm-hmm. uh, from the visible and felt presence and grace of God. And so it's actually like God kind of giving you over to yourself finally and saying, "You know what? You've rejected me your whole life. You want it your way. Experience it then." Yeah,
0: like I think the idea of just like missing out on on heaven just seems like punishment enough to me. Well, so like, I, mean, I wouldn't it.
1: even say it's missing out. It's it's actually because the thing is and this is where I would agree with like C.S. Lewis and Tim Keller on this one, where um, people who are in hell don't want to get out. Right, okay. Right, because there's a little story in, in the in the Bible where Jesus talks about Lazarus um, and, and this Lazarus guy going to hell and, and the rich guy who never helped him saying to him, hey man, go warn people about this, but never asking, hey, help me get out of here. And so a lot of commentators will say like, if he could talk, if he could, if he could talk across the metaphysical, you know, cosmos there and see yeah. it into the other world, why wouldn't he ask Abraham, who was on the other side, to like pull him out? Yeah, he didn't. He he just said, "Yeah, you're probably not going to come here." And a lot of people think it's because like they don't want to. Like C.S. Lewis talked about how hell is locked from the inside. Mm, you know, yeah. that God doesn't want his children to go, but he will allow us ultimately. To have our will then be done, it's kind of God removing His His prevenient grace or His uh, redemp or preventative grace, as she said, on some of the human sin. It's almost like the all-consuming self, right? Because at the end of the day, pride and, and self-worship is really what puts us at odds with God. Mm-hmm. So it's God saying, "Fine, do that forever," and, and I think it's going to be this weird interplay of desire and unsatisfaction forever. Yeah right? Because like, it's like, pursue everything that you want, fine, go ahead. It's never going to be what you think it is. It's like, it's fully unredeemed life. And and, it's, and like, it's it's far worse than I, I would say physical fire, in the sense of like, it's torment on my soul is this constant thirst, but never being quenched.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, so the other one that I guess we can talk about then, uh, yes, the fourth option which, comes up in second Thessalonians one, I read the whole verse here. God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to you who are troubled and to us as well. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might on the day he comes to be glorified. In his holy people, and to be marvelled at among all those who have believed. Wow, that is a long sentence. But the key word that will key in on there is everlasting destruction, or two words rather. So, everlasting destruction. Does that mean that you're destroyed and it just lasts forever, or does that mean you are destroyed and that that destruction is permanent?
1: That is the question. So it's annihilationism—the idea that um, in, in in punishment, God will, it's ultimately just not allow evil to exist any longer, right? And it's not actually like like this was—it's um, it's not just like a Christian idea. Like I believe it's in ancient Egypt they had the same idea where like you'd get eaten by the crocodile god if you weren't you know good enough, you'd be annihilated essentially. And so it's this idea of like God's punishment is that you just cease to exist. Which is a punishment, 100%. Yeah. Here's the thing. Honestly, like, um, I I would not... I don't think it is necessarily a... How do I say this? I don't think it's necessarily a biblical option to believe in annihilationism because the word for destruction could also mean corruption, becoming void. Like, it doesn't necessarily mean, like, complete annihilation of the thing. It just mm-hmm. means, like, almost like a stripping away of it because a land gets destroyed it just means it's void of nutrients it's void of um in the bible like it talks about how it's just it's dried out it's whatever not that the land is all gone right so there is arguments around the interpretation of these concepts Mm. but i will say this and i'll just be honest about it like i'm a what would be considered maybe a hopeful annihilationist in the sense of like i don't think it's a legitimate position but like I'm cool if it is. <laughs> okay, right?
0: that's interesting you don't think it's a legitimate position though, because I've heard I've heard you yourself describe um we were talking about sanctification one time, mm-hmm. or justification rather, and you painted this picture of, you know, at the end of time when you come to the to be judged by God and God's gonna pour out all his wrath on you, but Jesus like covers mm-hmm. that just that picture. Would the wrath not then like just destroy the person who, you know, should be condemned
1: yeah well or that
0: just be everlasting destruction is that what
1: well i would say it's yeah like like the picture again like trying to create pictures around what will be is hard yeah well what we know is that in christ um our sins are covered right yeah and that i'll be refined and made whole and that that's where again the like this is where it's tough because as someone who does believe obviously that like jesus is the messiah the rescuer the savior that resurrection is the good news of god's redemptive work recreation god is in the world to remake the world and to bring it back to what it was to restore relationship the king has returned this is all good like we just had this like big thing yeah on easter about it i do believe that and so the impetus in us, and even I think it's in Timothy where he, God's, where Paul says that God desires all people sh- might be saved, mm, not that yeah. they all will, but that He desires that. Yeah. So, like, there is the heart of God that's like, I don't want to have to, yeah. But God is still just, and the justness of God is sometimes I think maybe brought upon by human choice, right? This is almost like um, in the Old Testament where it talks about how like certain people, um, like their their sin was not at the right level yet. The corruption was not the right spot yet where God was trying to be patient with them. Right. And and I do think there is a level of that. Like, we have to just be legitimate in that. But here's the thing is I just, like, it, like the idea of God so loving the world, right, and his redemptive work to see that happen um, does put me in a place where I want annihilationism to be true because uh, I don't think universalism makes sense. No, I don't either can't reconcile that. but I do I don't think you can truly just take the words of scripture um, at, at, at the total canon of all that is said and truly come out with um, something less than there will be some kind of permanent punishment. Um, for our ultimate rebellion and rejection of God. And so that's when that like again like that's why I think this doctrine is so repulsive to people is because it's, it is it is an emotionally charged like I don't get it I don't want it to be true kind of thing but again I think with the testimony of scripture with the testimony of history mm-hmm. and even the words of Jesus like he talked about it that we can't deny its reality. Yeah. So yeah, I'm,
0: I'm still torn a bit. Like I, I definitely would prefer to believe in annihilationism. Don't know that I'm all the way there. Um, but one more, um, one more, I guess verse or concept that I'd like you to maybe unpack with regards to it is just the idea of, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So Jesus is saying there that if you believe in God, then you have eternal life. I mean, basically the opposite is you perish and you don't live forever. Or am I just saying, like, is hell still a death? Is Would that be the way you'd explain that? Oh, well,
1: I just think, like, again, perish in the idea of destruction, right? Like... How, yeah, how are you... Because I guess when I think of death, I think of it being final in that way,
0: like perishing. Well, but the thing is,
1: right, like the wages of sin was death. Adam and Eve eat the fruit and death was supposed to come. But did they physically die? No. No. But that death was a soul being cut off from the life of God. Right. Ultimately. So that if eternal life is the life of God empowering our life now to become like him fully in his kingdom, then... The opposite of that isn't necessarily a non-existence. It's just non-life. Yeah. Right? It's it's it's, it's the basis form of life versus his higher life. So again, I, I think that's one of those ones where, like, that one is such a, not a proof text, but it's like, God, like, I love you so much. There's two options. I've done everything you need to do to get to the good option. Yeah. Right? Let, let's figure this thing out. And uh, part of this gets deeper into the idea of what is sin, right? Because at the end of the day, if your concept of sin isn't very serious mm-hmm. and you're you your understanding of God isn't very high then none of this really matters right right because like why does God care so much or why like why wouldn't God just but the thing is God is as lovingly just as he possibly can be right okay. in both both regards and so if sin ultimately is and this is where like maybe my theology could be wrong but like if sin ultimately is the rejection of God and replacement of God by myself, ultimately, it really is about me, it's pride. Like The theologians call that like pride is the mother of all sins. It bursts out everything else. And, and pride is just, I would say, arguing is mainly the worship of me. So there's two gods competing. And if God is, like we just did the Ten Commandments, right, as a church, yeah. and you know no other gods before me, like I am the one thing that's going to eventually affect everything else. And if I'm putting myself there, rejecting God, replacing Him with myself, and destroying who god's meant to be right then ultimately i think hell becomes as i said that kind of unleashed Mm. so even from our understanding what 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 sin really is and what it brings into the world right we talk about destruction and chaos like it says that like there's that that sin ultimately leads to death it leads to destruction there's a way that seems right but leads to destruction leads to chaos like that's like that those languages that language is used in scripture. And so if it brings chaos in this life, it will bring the same in the next, even even more so, right? And so I think that's where, where it really comes down to for me is the idea of like, the alternative option is horrible. So we want to get people to come to Jesus. Yeah. But I don't think it's like, but, this, but see, but this is where we have to get to because if the fear of hell, that used to be like kind of the way we motivated people in the church. Yeah. Right? Like, some still do it that way. Some still do. I don't think is right. Mm-hmm. Right? It's the love of life. Yeah. It's the love of Jesus. It's the affection of him. It's the quorum deo, but to be in his face, to see him forever. Like, that's actually yeah. what we're trying to present to people. And so that's where I do think, like, we have to we have, we have to be honest. Justice is not just for this life. It is for the next. And God is wrathful. Like, yeah. like, it says that he hates sin. And while you're sinning, like, this is something that people don't like talking about. But like, in the book of Psalms, it says he hates the sinner. Yeah, We're like, no, that's not supposed to happen. No, it's because we don't understand what love is, right? Right. There are different ways we love. And there's different functions of God's love, right? There's this love towards the Trinity. There's this love towards the Son. There's this love towards the Church. There's this love towards you and I as creation. There's this love towards us as Christians. Like, there's different dynamics of love, uh, different kinds of covenantal love, different kinds of relational love. Mm -hmm. So he can love and hate at the same time. Right, Because as a creation, he can love what he has made, but as a human being, person with individual freedom that rejects everything about him, he can hate that. Yeah. Right. And they're not opposing. They're just different aspects of, of his ultimate affection towards humanity. Which, which we don't like talking about because it's like, you know, we, we love the... We love a really simplistic view of love. That, well, and we just love the... I think it was... Was it not Gandhi? I don't know. Who said like, you know, love the sinner, hate the sin. Like that was not Jesus, by the way. It's, it's sentimental and sounds good and we want to do it. But like, we, 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 have, we have to be careful with how we try to, you know, portrait God out to me and make him palatable for, for my current desire. And so, although it doesn't really fit the modern narrative, the most common description of God in the Bible is holy, right? But the most common in the New Testament, I believe, is love. Like, singularly and then combined. And the issue is those things, are not they're not competing. Like, when John says God is love right he's not saying he's, well, he's no longer holy right he is transcendent set of set of parts just and good and that's all enwrapped in, in this this love he's triune the common relational god from the very beginning and so i think like we just have tried to delineate such a fine line between like true justice and love in a way that just is unhelpful and i think to remove to remove um to remove justice from the heart of God and true accountability is ultimately to make him a fairy. Yeah. Right. Like, 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 it, it's not actually good. Like, we think it is because it means no one's wrong and no one gets offended and no one's bad. But people are like, we are, we do dumb things. Like, we see evil. Mm-hmm. And the thing we don't like is we'll easily say, well, those guys are more evil than me. Right. Right. Yeah. They're the ones, that, if anything, are going to go there. Or we'll try to do the opposite. Well, everyone gets to go. Well, like, like, legit. Like, and, and again, philosophically, that sounds really good, but like, let, let's work that out practically. Right. Like, do I think, and this is going to be controversial. I think Hitler's in heaven, no. His life did not evidence that of the kingdom. Like, like yeah. it just, and I, don't, and, I, and I don't like saying that in the sense of like, he's a human being that God loved, but we as humans have a choice of whether we will ultimately respond to the grace of God or not. Right. And, um, and God has done everything yeah. to, to give us the option for that. And so in the case of someone like a Hitler or Stalin, right at the end of time, they will be judged for their sin mm-hmm. as us all, right? Yeah. And the, But this is the thing we have to remember. And this is where people, I think Christians get all uppity and like the hellfire and brimstone preachers are going to get probably surprised, mm-hmm. right? Is like um, we all are going to get judged for our sin. And the only difference ultimately at that time is really the grace of God active in our life. It's not because I'm better. It's not because I'm more holy. It's literally because I've been graced by God, and given His and given His Spirit in the in you know by grace through faith in the Christ. Yeah, um, and that's it. Like it's not like like hell is for the bad people and heaven's for the good ones. No, it's it's not that at all. Actually, there'll be a lot of good people in hell, a lot of bad people in heaven. Yeah, right. Because it's it's to me about um, the 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 life of Christ being in us through grace. Right. And by faith in him. And so that's what I think we have to get over ourselves a little bit on that one, too.
0: Yeah. And so this is where I want to start to turn the conversation uh, back towards heaven. Uh, We spend a lot of time in hell. Um, So let's (laughs) let's turn it around and uh, lighten it up a bit. So this was Matthew 5, uh, verse 17 to 20. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So this kind of is interesting based on what you just talked about. The idea of there being good people in hell and bad people in heaven, like are there different levels of inheritance in the kingdom of heaven? Or is he talking about uh, here on earth right now? Is he talking about both? What do we make of a verse like that?
1: That's a great question. I've actually never been asked that before, um, whether that refers to here and now. I don't think it does. I think it means like in the new kingdom, new heaven new earth. Mm -hmm. Um, Although it could mean now, I guess. Anyways, um, here's the thing is like, we don't like this idea of rewards because it's not fair, right? We have this modern ideology of fairness, right? Mm -hmm. And so rewards in the kingdom of God doesn't seem to make sense except for the fact that it's all over the Bible. Like the Pal- parable of talents, right? Yeah. Um, but the issue was never... The the, the the ultimate reward was the same, right? Joy with God. Um, but like it does talk about ruling and reigning and having different authority and having these rewards in heaven and whatnot. And like Jesus talks about that a bunch, right? More than we... I think more, more than makes us protestants comfortable um so we kind of avoid it but like i think it's just i don't know to me it's just kind of just like logical in the sense of faithfulness right like you, you aren't building your way to heaven in any way you're just being faithful and god rewards that yeah. like, like to me it's kind of that simple it may not feel nice right like does so someone get a bigger crown than me it's not what's about that because ultimately, at the end of the day, our job is to make much of Jesus. So mm-hmm. I'll be faithful in my little, and if it becomes much later on, that's God's decision. I'm going to be okay with it. But if I can do what I can do to make much of Jesus, like yeah, okay, I'm going to do it. Yeah. So like this idea yeah. that like grace somehow eliminates that, grace eliminates that my entrance into heaven, right? right? All come to the same cross. So we talk about that a lot. You know, grace is what empowers us all equally; that we all have the same access, right? But for those of us that, you know, I don't know, I would say that, like, are more faithful with our time, more faithful with our gifts. Like, the Bible is kind of almost explicit on that, that there will be rewards for that. Mm. Yeah,
0: it's interesting, though, because if I was one of those people that got the lesser reward in the kingdom of heaven, would I then be, like, envious of the people that got the better reward? Um, That's a great just, question. Envy is a sin, right? There's, It's all going to be... Uh, perfect and sinless right
1: well there were some theologians who think that the only like negative emotion in heaven would be some kind of form of regret <laughs> for not being faithful but mm-hmm. i don't agree with that i think that's a weird way of viewing it yeah um but i don't know i think that's why at the end of time it doesn't really ultimately matter because you know we kind of have this picture of laying down the crowns of g Je- before jesus giving him back all he's given to us and mm. Like, ultimately, the best gift is going to be us with God forever. And so, the idea of the rewards, like, Paul talks about how, like, we'll get there and, like, all the chaff will be burned away and all the straw and hay, but whatever is, like, gold and, like, whatever purify will be there. Yeah. It gives that image of, like, the the different kinds of substances being burned away from us and only that which is good and pure remaining. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I think, I think that it's kind of another humility thing, to be honest, because there were the, there you would some have argued and i think it's in there that like if you are a martyr right like in revelations there's a sort of special class of martyrs mm. right even in daniel yeah. uh, like it's it's a, talking about martyrdom and persecution and you know some of the like the the blessing that comes post that in heaven um that's sort of just very generalized telling of that right. um, but that idea of like you know i i kind of don't want to be a martyr yeah. yeah like if sure. i have to be i will yeah like I'm, I'm open to it but that's actually a conversation i'd like to get into a little bit later um but like do i choose martyrdom do i like go and try to be martyred no like yeah. are you seriously <laughs> like, like like that's not it's not like that no that's that's not okay um but um and so, so, so in that case, it's more just like just being faithful and God will reward. Because it does say we're going to rule and reign and have authority. And even says at one point, like, we're going to judge judge the, the cosmos, essentially. Even the you know, think of Paul says, like, we'll judge angels. Like, there's this weird thing that we get to experience at the end of time. And it's like, I'm not worthy of that. Right? But it's just this idea of, you know, grace and faithfulness. And so, I don't know, I've never, like, rewards in heaven ultimately for me are just about faithfulness on earth and if you want more reward be faithful i don't know like it, 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 it we i think we make it sound like no that's not that gospel. sounds like works
0: righteousness Mike. But it's
1: not it's not about getting your interest into heaven it's about being faithful with, with what's been given right because at the end of the day the guy with five and that talent story right had five one had two and they both doubled it one had ten one had four jesus said the same thing well done enter the joy of your rest. And he, then he said to them, you've been faithful little, now you can have more. So yeah. the guy entered into the rest yep. with 10, God four, and he was going to give him more, yep. which would be uneven, mm-hmm. right? Because in heaven, according to Jesus, right? Ultimately, you know, equality of outcome doesn't exist.
0: All right, last one I want to ask you about, um, just this idea of the new heaven and the new earth. In Revelation 21, it says, Like, what this paints a picture of, clearly to me, is heaven coming down to be with earth. God coming down to dwell with his people. Where, then, do we get this picture of heaven being this, like, floaty, like, other realm that's not at all physical. You know, not resurrection of the body. We're all just kind of a bunch of souls up there with our halos and harps. Well, Um,
1: probably medieval paintings. Sure, but um because like well, it's, there must it's be always even the bible it's like it talks about being up yeah. because we're we are visual spatial beings and so this sunday actually so when this goes live i'll just preach on it to preach on the ascension where jesus sort of rise into the air yeah right which i would i'm gonna talk about how it's the symbolic coronation it's not actual like him going up through the air it's it's the symbol of what's happening he's taking his authority back and so I think just because of those things where it's the up the heavens, the stars, right? Like even the Bible, like the language is always upward. Yeah. Right? Shields in the grave and the ground going down. The, the, there is just this dimensional thing to it and we just have taken that and gone way farther. Yeah. Um, but in the same token, there is always these pictures of overlap, right? Mm-hmm. Of the garden, of the temple, right? Of us, the church, of the new heavens, and new earth, right? The heaven and earth are, are coming together. Um, and so I think we've just kind of invented it to be honest like um the idea they had little harps and cherubim and all that stuff that's just christian imagination (laughs) yeah
0: like it's just funny to me because like i i think probably most of my life i did like believe heaven was just gonna be like well i'm gonna die my soul's gonna go to like a purely spiritual realm and Mm -hmm. my theology has just been getting messed up just this idea of like yeah like the bodily resurrection does matter the body Mm -hmm. and the soul you know being redeemed and restored and um which, I mean, it's really, I mean, it doesn't mess up my theology that much. It's really just, it's a totally different picture, though, of heaven than what I had in my head for a long time.
1: Mm-hmm. No, and it's true. And, like, it, does it fully make sense? No, to be honest. But I think it's better than what we've been conceiving, right? And yeah. So, like, that, like that like that's the point. Yes, hell sucks, right? And it's real, and God's justice is real, and his wrath is real, his wholeness is real, and his love is pure and good and righteous, and can we fully explain it? No. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, same thing with heaven. It's there. It's real. It's good. It's where he dwells right now. It's better than we can imagine when it comes to be part of earth and God redeems and and, and refines wow. and, and brings all that. Like, it's hard to imagine that. Like, it's like, try to imagine a place where like, 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 legitimately, all that ails us, all that addicts us, all that chains us, all that binds us, all that makes us afraid and insecure doesn't exist. Mm hmm. Yeah. Like, we can't because like mm-hmm. we function out of that so much. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, legitimately, like, where it says there's going to be no need for night and day because the presence of God just lights up the sky. Yeah. Like, where Jesus could walk through walls. It's <laughs> pretty cool, right? Could eat, could experience, like, could still taste. Yeah. Right? Like, this perfect not not eden right because like it's a new it's a city that comes down right but this restoration of what humanity was meant to be like we can't we can't really imagine it but like it's kind of like what we have now i think just purified Mm -hmm. like do we are we gonna have computers i don't know but i mean just like 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 just touching my like feeling this body this physical thing right with all my emotions and ideas and like that just being better like it's just Mm. like we can't really imagine it yeah um which is i think part of the beauty of like the idea of you know experiencing the life of god in us right that like the invitation of the kingdom of heaven is that we get this taste of it now right that it's Mm -hmm. we become redeemed we become the fruit of spirit and the love and the joy that that just exudes and supposed to be present the truth the justice the peace the grace the, the mercy the faithfulness all these things that we know are good um that can become evidenced in us and alive in us that we get this foretaste of it and then when heaven shows up you know when he comes on the clouds when, it, when it's this coronation this final uh, consummation of all that he's been doing for this time like it's it's going to be hard like it's hard to ex- I would say put into words because like, you can't even like I can't even put a picture around it to try to describe what I'm thinking because mm-hmm. like I just you can't see what that's going to be but it's yeah. going to be amazing
0: right yeah and i think the more we talk about it and sit here and conceptualize it and try and make sense of of all these verses like the more i think it just hits me that it's unknowable truly right now and that the call of jesus right now is to bring heaven here like the more that just becomes more real for me and the more the more like excited i get like it's fun to sit around and think about this for sure and i think it's important on some level, but it's also more important to see about bringing the kingdom of heaven um, in
1: every way that I can right now. Yeah, and, and that's and that's what we get to do. We, we are agents of that. And, and that exists on the spectrum of, right, from the rescue of grace to the speaking of truth. Like, this is where I think we have to understand that the kingdom of God is not just some soft unbounded loving expression of ultimate acceptance Mm -hmm. right it's not this is jesus going to the prostitute when no one else would and saying hey stop sinning but come be part of my family yeah right going to levi tax collector hey guy stop oppressing everyone that's bad but come join the family i want you to be part of this right it's like it's 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 this it's this love and truth it's grace and justice just flowing into our life and so we are agents of all of that Mm -hmm. um and yeah it extends out right it extends out from our personal life to our communal life to our social life to our political life to our environmental life like it is us being as far as we are able agents of redemption all of life and so i think it's just yeah it's exciting like it it it, like the more you think about it the more it's like i like like we are called to such a great thing the mission of god Mm -hmm. like i seem pretty excited about our new philippians series coming up Because there's so much about just the mission of Jesus in it that Paul's just like all my life is for the mission of God to make much of Jesus to bring about this thing, like I'm excited to preach it to our church, but like just real recognizing that like our life is so much bigger than us, and like my the purpose of my life isn't to retire, it's to bring the kingdom, Mm -hmm. right? And just like invite people into that, yeah, like to see people like that's why I love the stories of the the Bible because they're so raw in the sense of like the two I just used, like a tax collector and like a prostitute, right, like. Someone who's been economically, politically corrupt, who we would want to throw in jail and just cast away, and Jesus is just like, hey, you're wrong, stop oppressing people, and extorting them, but you're welcome, and come find redemption. Or Zacchaeus, right? Climbs up the tree, sees Jesus, same thing, tax collector, comes down, finds him, and says, I'm going to pay back everybody four times as much. Redemption does that, right? Or the prostitute, right? Your body, you, girl, are more than your sexuality. You don't got to sell this to find value, you don't you like... I'm going to give you that, right? So stop doing that. Come find peace, right? You're forgiven of these things. Or, you know, um, even Saul, right? Murderer turned missionary, right? Like you're trying to destroy people, kind of like a religious terrorist. And Jesus shows up and is like, that's wrong. Stop doing that. Now you're Paul, right? But now you're going to be Paul, right? And now you're coming in. And so it's like that redemptive truth and grace, love and justice pull that people tend to never hold quite right and we don't like i'm yeah. not saying i've done that ever but like that is the kingdom and that extends to everything and so it's like yeah i'm a, like i want people to know it because like i've experienced the joy of it mm-hmm. more and more like the more i think about it, the more i understand it the more i experience it in my life like the last even i was talking to someone today in a coffee about just like how much like legitimate like just seeing the joy of the freedom in christ and what it brings it's like i've been following jesus for my whole life basically but in the last you know, year and a half when it's really just become even more so alive not that it wasn't before but just like this deeper layers of just getting it mm-hmm. just it's like it really is freedom it's really joy it's like i'm not controlled by these old things anymore and like it's 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 beautiful and so i'm excited about it